Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you for a great God this morning that we celebrate. Oh, Jesus, I thank you that uh, your word tells us in Hebrews 11 that there's a great cloud of witnesses, that we're not alone. That there's been so many people who have gone before us that have been part of this truth and kind of the, what's true now, and it's also prophetic that all the nations will sing. All the nations will praise your name. All the earth will shout it out. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for a great name this morning. God, we thank you for your word, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts right now. I'd ask in your grace, Lord, even where, even where maybe our hearts aren't good soil right now, would you make us good soil? Would you make us hungry even where we're not? Would you prepare us where we're not prepared? Would you give us more than we're ready for this morning? But I ask that every single person in here would leave different than the way we came. Would we see you? Would we taste you? Would we touch you? Would we hear you this morning? Have your way with us, Holy Spirit. So if you're ready to hear from God, say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Give someone a hug, a high five as you sit down. Say hello. You happy with who you're sitting with? Nobody's happy with who they're sitting with. That's okay. It's going to be a long few minutes. All right, go ahead and pull out your Bibles. Thank you, team. You guys are awesome. Wow. All right. Matthew 28 is where we're going to be this morning. Matthew 28, shocker. I think we've been there the last four weeks. It's a good chapter. It's got a lot in there. Matthew 28, and uh, we got a lot of ground to cover this morning, so we're just going to go big. That's kind of how I like to do it. Go big or go home, right? right, So pull out your Bible, something to take notes with. Right now we're in a series called 50 More Days. If you're new, if you haven't been with us, uh, I think this is the third week, 50 More Days. We're talking about uh, how uh, Jesus, we, we celebrated Easter recently. He dies on the cross. He raises from the grave, but then he doesn't just disappear. He said there's these 50 more days that are very significant for us. After his resurrection, Jesus stays around the earth for 40 days. And the Acts 1 verse 3 says he stuck around for 40 more days talking about the kingdom of God, appearing to people, doing amazing things, kind of like raising from the dead. Absolutely amazing. He, he continues to show up with people, to people and talk about the kingdom of God. And we're saying that's, that's interesting because he already spent three years and then died and rose again to demonstrate the kingdom. But apparently that wasn't enough. He wanted to take 40 more days to share about the kingdom of God. After his 40 days, he ascends to heaven uh, to be with the Father. And 10 days later, on the day of Pentecost, he sends the Holy Spirit to live in us. 50 days total, 50 more days after his ministry, after his death, after his resurrection. We're kind of trying to engage this question, what do these 50 more days have to do with your everyday? What's so significant? Because I would think that if Jesus stuck around for 40 more days, it wasn't because he was bored and had nothing else to do. There probably was a purpose. Amen? 50 more days is where we're in, is what, we're, what we've been doing. We've been in Matthew 28 the first week together. Uh, we kind of dealt with the first half of Matthew 28 and how Jesus urged his disciples to go to Galilee. Doesn't sound maybe significant by itself, but we talked about how when Jesus was saying, go to Galilee... He was preaching a message, a truth of the kingdom of God that matters for you every day. They had just been, they had just deserted him. They had just left him behind and let him die all by himself. But before they even did all that, he said, go to Galilee. First thing he says when he comes back to them is, go to Galilee. In other words, before you could ever turn your back on me, I made a way for restoration. It matters for you every day. I don't know about you, but I can get discouraged sometimes when I feel like I let God down. But before there was no way, he made a way. Amen. That was week one. Week two, we said you got to go to Chick-fil-A. And the kingdom of God's like Chick-fil-A. 
Chick-fil-A is awesome. It sounds cool, but it doesn't sound all that different from all these other things until you go to Chick-fil-A, and then you realize, wow, there's just something different about this. We talked about how Matt, uh, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore, go. He's saying, if you want this life, it's not just about knowing the right things. you got to go. you got to go. We've got to be a people who go. We need to be, we said, we need to be an apostolic people, a people who are sent. Lincoln, we love you, and we're so glad. Welcome to the world. He's like two weeks old, and he's allowed to let us know he's here. Plus, he's like, what is he, my second cousin or cousin and cousin's baby? Second? Whatever. We love him. Anybody else love Lincoln? Yeah. <laughs> we got to go to Chick-fil-A. We got to live a lifestyle of going and, and pursuing the kingdom of God. So we're in Matthew 28, our third week here. Was that a good enough primer? I hope you're hungry. Matthew 28. We're going to be in verse 18. I'm going to read a couple verses here. Read them last week, but they're so good, we're going to dig right back in. Is anybody in Matthew 28? Is anybody ready to hear from God? Ready to have a good time this morning? I love that. Matthew what did I say? 28, 18. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you have your notes out, I want to give you the title for this message this morning. He changed the game. He changed the game. I should write that at the top of your notes. How many of you are familiar with the phrase game changer? Maybe you say it, you've heard somebody say, oh man, that's a game changer. You know, we, we say it in life when you're in a situation, something significant happened that impacts your situation, that thing is that thing's a game changer. Changes the dynamics. Like you're struggling financially and then you get that job. That's a game changer. It's a game changer for your finances. Or uh, you're, you're, you're stuck in something and something significant happens, it changes the game. I don't know, for, for me, if I'm having a bad day, and I, if I go home and, and my wife and my kids are excited to see me, game changer, right? Changes everything. It's just it's the same day, but it, it just changed the way it, it went. It changed the way my day was going. There's, we all know what it means when we say game changer. When Jesus was uh, on earth in his ministry, he would use these things called parables to explain to us what the kingdom of God was like. And so the parable was a story that Jesus would tell uh, where he would take something of our material world, something that you and I would understand in our everyday life, and he, was, he would use this as a, as a sort of metaphor to explain to us what the kingdom of God was like. He would use something that we understood to explain something that maybe we didn't quite understand. He would, he would use these parables. So take something tangible to kind of explain something a little bit not so tangible. So he would start off stories all the time, and he would say something like, the kingdom of God is like... A landowner, or the kingdom of God is like a father with two sons. The kingdom of God is like a woman with two coins. The, king, the kingdom of God is like, you know, he, he, he was using these examples. And, you know, the thing about using a natural example is that it sort of has its limits, right? Because it's natural, trying to explain something maybe not so natural. So he'd say it, it's, it's like this. The, the kingdom of God isn't a woman with two coins, but it, it's like a woman with two coins. You following me? So he'd use these parables to explain things to us. And this morning, I want to reference a parable that goes a little bit farther back than Matthew 28 here in a little bit. But 
To, make, to kind of go after this point, he changed the game. What's going on here in Matthew 28? What do these 50 more days have to do with my every day? This, this is kind of an intangible thing. I, I want to give a shot at my own little parable, and it's going to be not quite as good as a Jesus parable, but we're going to give it a shot. Can you stick with me on a parable here this morning? So uh, Jesus is all profound, and he says the kingdom of God is like something. And I'm going to say something that's so not profound. But life is like a game, okay? Not profound. You've probably heard it before. But life, life is like a game. And here, here's what I mean. You can, you can say your life is like a game, or you could say, you know, living a meaningful life or a good life. It, it's, like, it's like a game. Because games, they have, they have rules, they have boundaries, uh, there, there's a field, you know, there's, there's some sort of parameters that this thing operates inside of. There's an objective to, to achieve, or there's an opponent, opponent to, to beat. There, there's all these things that go on in games, and games have a, some sort of, of scoring system or a point of reference to help you understand if you're on the right track or not, right? Like golf numbers go up, that's bad. If your numbers go down, that's good. You have some sort of point of reference to understand if you're actually playing a good round or not, right? Life, life can be like a game. So let's take baseball, for example, because the season is still young, and uh, we're all ready to see the Cubs repeat. Amen? <laughs> Amen? All right, three of us, we'll celebrate. We'll celebrate later in like four years when the season is over. And the season's like a couple years long. I don't even know. 162 games is a lot. Anyways, let's take the game of baseball, for example. So baseball is a game. It has structure and, and all these things. So there's innings, there's uh, runs, there's, there's bats, there's positions, and there's all these sorts of things. So life, we could say life is like a game of baseball. You've got, you've got nine innings. You've got whatever, and, and just like baseball, however long nine innings takes, right? There's no clock or anything like that. Your life is kind of like a, a game of baseball. You've got nine innings. You've got X amount of years, however long that takes. And, and just like in baseball, uh, it seems like every pitch is a different situation. You can have the same pitcher, same batter, but the count changes over one pitch, and it changes everything. So just like in baseball, you've got, in life, you've got kind of your nine innings to navigate sort of a zillion different situations zillion different situ uh, things that are going on, you know, something changes, you, you've got to figure out how, what's going on, and, and kind of the goal is to, like, do the best as possible, right? Like, accumulate, in baseball, accumulate the most runs. If you're looking at life, you know, you can kind of draw a parallel. Like, I, I want to navigate these things in a positive way, right? And you, you understand what I'm saying? You need to see where it starts to break down, but life can be like a game of baseball. Just like in baseball, sometimes you strike out, and sometimes you strike out more than not, Sometimes you hit a home run. Sometimes you make a great play. Sometimes you make an error. There's, there's ups and there's downs, but over the course of these nine innings, you kind of have this goal to accumulate the most positive runs, positive situations, positive wins, you know, at the end of this, at the end of this whole thing. So you, just like in baseball, in life, you, we all would prefer that at the end of this thing, we have more points for us than against us, right? Anybody not on that train because... We can change directions if we need to, but I'm just going to make an assumption there. So life is like a game of baseball. It's a game of addition, right? Baseball, it's this game of addition. You're trying to add as many runs as you can. Just like in baseball, in life, there's, there's all kinds of different philosophies or um, strategies about how you kind of add the most to your life. In baseball, there's, there's lots of different philosophies on how you score the most points, you know, and depending on the coach you have, some coaches, some coaches are, they're, they're hitting coaches, they're like, you just, if you can hit, you can win, 
Some coaches are like, hitting's not that big of a deal. If you can pitch, you can win. Some guys are defense coaches. Some guys are runner, running coaches. Everybody's kind of got a different philosophy, but they're still playing the same game, right? I, I just stick with me. We're, we're going to get somewhere with this. You're still playing baseball, but you can have a different philosophy about how to play it. You're still trying to score runs. You're still trying to beat the other team. You're still trying to accomplish the same thing, but you can have different philosophies about how to actually accomplish this goal. So baseball is like that, and, and life can be like that too because in life we can, we can kind of have different coaches. We can have different philosophies that are guiding us on how do you add the most to your life. You can have, uh, maybe, maybe your coach is, is, a, is a, a philosophical thought process. Maybe it's a religion. Maybe it's an opinion of the day. Maybe it's just you kind of go where culture is going. Maybe it's a celebrity and you just kind of do whatever they're doing. But are you following with me? We're trying to add to our life. And you can have different philosophies and opinions on how to add the most to your life. But in the end, we're still all playing the same game. And this is the way most people see life. We're playing the same game, trying to add up as many points as possible, as many points as we can. We're trying to add to our life. We're trying to add to our life and make our lives more meaningful. We're trying to make them more fulfilled, more valuable, more fun, more happy, more whatever. We're just, what can, what can we add? What philosophy is best at trying to add the most to my life? We're all playing the same game, but we have our different philosophies on how to play it. We're all playing a game of addition, but we have different philosophies on how to add the most to your life. Life is a game of addition. Add a degree to your resume. It's going to really add to your life. Add a zero to your bank account. Add a kid to the family, and that'll really get you there. Add a religious activity to your week, and that'll really take you to the next level. It's a game, a game of addition. And just like in baseball, you know, depending on whatever your priority is, depending on your philosophy, it sort of determines how you play the game. And this is where we bring in back to game changer. I t I'm telling you, I'm getting somewhere here. In baseball, if you change a coach, that's a game changer because it totally changes the way you play the game. It doesn't change the game that you're playing, but it changes the way you play the game that you're playing. And in life, you can change all these different philosophies. You can pick a religion, a thought process, a philosophical thought, a goal. You can pick a different philosophy in the midst of all this thing. And it's a game changer for you in that it changes the way you play the game, but it doesn't actually change the game. In Matthew 28, I can tell you guys are like, Andrew, I promise I'm going to stick with you, but I have no idea where you're going. We're going to get there. Matthew 28, Jesus is at the end of his 40 days that we mentioned earlier. He has been meeting with his disciples after raising from the dead, telling them about the kingdom of God. He's been continuing to preach. He's been appearing to disciples and, and hundreds of other people. Like I said, it's not because he's bored. Clearly, Jesus has a, has a message to get across. You don't just raise from the dead, stick around the planet when you could just go straight to heaven like for no reason, right? I'd be gone ASAP. Jesus has a message that he's trying to get across to us. So if you were to ask, I think, most people in your life who don't follow Jesus or who aren't that interested in Jesus, if you were to ask them maybe why they're not 
that interested in Jesus, I think that you would begin to hear an answer that would explain something along the lines that most people who aren't interested in Jesus, they're, they're not interested because they think Jesus is just another way to play the same game. He's a different philosophy on how to add the most to your life. We're all trying to add to our life, make this thing better, really, you know, come out on top. And Jesus is just, you know, he's another option. He's another coach with another strategy for how to add the most to your life, how to, how to get the most runs, how to score the most, or however you want to you say that. I bet that if you ask most people in your life who aren't interested in Jesus why they aren't interested in Jesus, it's because they think he's just another way to play the same game. And therefore, they probably think the way they're currently playing the game is at least as good, if not better. Because we're all playing the same game. And if Jesus is just another way, a lot of people look and they say, okay, that's a fair and legitimate way. That's great for you. I think my way is pretty good too. I'm mean, at least as good, if not better. And so therefore, what's the big deal about Jesus? Why do I need Jesus? Back to baseball, it's like, you bunt, I'll pitch. You think bunting's going to do it, or you're a hitting kind of guy, I'm a, I'm a running kind of guy, that's great. So we're still playing baseball. You do you, I'll do me. You could say, you know, people, it's kind of like, you go to church, I'll recycle. That's great. You know, you, you, you do the Jesus thing, I'm going to do the, the like, uh, social justice thing. You do the Jesus thing, I'm going to do like the meditation thing, right? We're all, I mean, we're all playing the same game. That's kind of your, Jesus, your coach, my coach is over here, and uh, we're just going to kind of both hope we end up with the most runs possible at the end of this whole thing. Because in the end, we're all playing the same game. And the truth is, I think that if we talk to most Christians, and maybe, maybe you're in this room this morning, we're, a lot of Christians are kind of in the same boat as people who aren't interested in Jesus, in that we're all playing the same game. I just kind of pick Jesus, the Jesus strategy. Jesus is just kind of another thing to add to your life. I think if we look around our world, honestly, we can get caught up in this addition lifestyle in the church. Well, I just, I'm going to follow Jesus because he's going to add the most to my life. I'm going to add church to my life. It's going to be an accessory kind of on my, on my like, lifestyle wardrobe when it's going to work for me and when I can add something to what I got going on. If you want a good life, you know, you should probably throw in some Jesus. Maybe your mom told you you go to church, and so it's like, yeah, I should, I should do the Jesus thing and really add to my life. I think a lot of Christians think, you know, we're, we're all playing the same game, and the truth is that a lot of Christians are still chasing the same stuff that non-Christians are chasing. We just try to add Jesus onto the end of it. And not even the things that we're chasing, they're not necessarily bad. Some of them are, but we're kind of playing the same game as everybody else. And for that reason, maybe you are this Christian, or maybe you know this Christian. There's a lot of Christians walking around who, uh, they're doing the Christian thing, they're kind of living the Jesus strategy, but maybe secretly or not so secretly, they're kind of wondering why. Because Jesus says some cool stuff, but he also says some hard stuff, and it's like, why can't we just do the cool stuff? But I guess I follow this Jesus guy. You know, there's so many Christians, it's like, I, I mean, I'm doing the Jesus thing, but I feel like there might be some other ways to really add maybe a little bit more to my life. And because so many Christians are asking that question, I think a lot of non-Christians are looking at their Christian friends saying, I told you. I, I told you. I mean, we're just all playing the same game. And 
What difference does it make anyways? Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says this. He says, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. These 50 more days are a big deal. 50 more days matter for your every day. When Jesus steps onto the scene here in Matthew 28 and says what we just read, he's making an announcement. He's making an announcement saying, I'm not here to change the way you play the game. I'm here to change the game altogether. He changed the game. There's all kinds of game changers. You can play basketball. You put LeBron James on the court, that's a game changer. That changes the way you play the game. As in, you sit back and you watch, and you just let him dunk on you all day long and say, good job, LeBron, right? You can change the game in that you can change the way you play the game, but if you try to take baseball and all of a sudden you stretch it onto a 100-yard by 50-yard field and throw up some goalposts, you didn't just change the way you play the game. You changed the game altogether. You're not playing a new version of baseball. You're playing football. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is significant, not because it's another option of how to play the game. It's a new game altogether. And Jesus is making an announcement. I'm not a new coach. This is a whole new game. This is what makes Jesus so incredible. Because there's a difference between changing the way you play a game and changing the game you're playing altogether. And in these 50 more days, Jesus didn't want to change the way you play the life game. He wants to change the game you're playing altogether. How are we doing on that one? Because the world that you live in and the world that I live in, with all of our philosophies, religions, opinions, cultures, ideas, all of these things, we're trying to, they're, they're, they're all trying to get us to play the game of addition. How much can you add to your life to make it valuable, to make it fun, to make it fulfilling. But in Matthew 28, Jesus is not just throwing on like a bookend to everything that he's saying, like, oh, I had to come back because I forgot to mention this before I died. Jesus isn't just trying to add to his teachings. That's not why he stuck around. That's not what these 50 more days are like. Like, oh, I ran out of time. Three years wasn't enough. I thought it was going to be. Jesus is not adding to what he's saying. He's, he's, trying to, he's trying to underscore and underline and summarize and say, everything I've been telling you has been, has been leading to this. It's, so when he says something in Matthew chapter 28, it's, it's a reiteration of everything he's been saying. It's not just something new. He's not just adding something new. He culminates what he's been saying the whole time. He's saying, you've been playing a game of addition, but the kingdom of God is a game of multiplication. Did not see one person write that down, and that's kind of like the main point. So we'll go back a little bit. You've been playing a game of addition. The kingdom of God is a game of multiplication. He changed the whole game. You're trying to add. 
Everything's telling you to add, to consume, to collect, to bring it on, to see what you can add, to add the clothes, and now add the follower, and now add the zero, and this is all going to lead you to a fulfilling life. But Jesus is saying, I'm trying to let you understand everything that you're trying to add value to your life. I've taken care of your value. There's nothing left to add. 2 Corinthians 5 says that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. He says, you no longer live, Jesus lives in you. That's a game changer. He's not changing the way that you live life. He's changing your life altogether. And this is what Jesus is saying, that there's nothing left to add. I've taken care of your value. You don't, need, you don't need to chase anything to add anymore. You are taken care of on the value front. Now you're free to go multiply. Don't sit back and collect. Go multiply. He changed the game. He changed the game from religious addition to relational multiplication. Add to your life and God will appreciate you more. Go to church four times a month and not three times a month and see how big of a thumbs up you get from God because he's probably waiting on you to only go free. This is well, the life that they were used to. This is the world that we live in. What's it take? How much can I add to be okay? He says, you're okay. Go multiply. Go multiply. You're free. Don't live your life chasing the desires of your flesh, chasing accolades, all of these sort of things. Go multiply your life. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he's saying, I want you to go and make disciples. You see, God is expecting what he does in, in and through you to multiply, and you should expect it too. Woo! We got to think about that one. How many of us are trying to get back to ground zero? Oh, if I could just, I got to climb back up. I know I screwed it up, but I'm going to make God be okay with me now. He's, no, 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 no. That's all good. I'm taking, he's taking care of that. God is now expecting what he does in and through you to multiply. And you should expect it too. Most of us just want to get by hoping we're a good Christian. I'm coming for you this morning. Matthew 25, like I said, this is a culmination of what Jesus has been saying for a long time, what he's been saying all along. Do you trust me that I love you so much, and I'm, just, I'm trying to light a fire in you this morning? No bones about it. Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable. He says, the kingdom of God is like a landowner who goes on a big journey. He calls three of his servants together and he gives them all units of money called talents. He gives one guy five talents, one guy two talents, and one guy one talent. Three servants get three different measures of money. He goes on a journey, the landowner leaves, and he comes back and it says he came to settle accounts with the servants that he gave the money to. So he comes back to his servants and says, okay, I gave you some stuff. I want you to give it back to me. What'd you do with what I gave you? The one who was given five says, hey, well, I took your five, I put them to work, and I actually got five more. Here you go. Here's your ten. One who got two said, I did the same thing. I went, and got, I went to work, and I, I put what you gave me to work, and I took the two, and I got two more. Here's your four. In verse 21 in Matthew 25, those two guys get the same response from the master. They gave him different 
gifts back, but they got the same response. Matthew 25, 21 says this. His master said to him, he, sa he says this to both of the servants, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. How amazing is that? Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A master who says to his faithful servants, come on in to the joy of your master. You were faithful with a little bit. I can't wait to give you a whole bunch more. This is incredible. The third servant comes back and says, um, well, basically, I misunderstood what your expectations were. And I took your one and I buried it in the ground. So here's your one back. You think, well, that's not that, that's not, that's fine. At least he didn't lose it. I would have lost it in the ground. I don't know. But the master's furious with this guy. And he says, take the one from this evil, wicked servant, give it to the guy who had 10, and kick this guy out of my house. Jesus is saying, in the kingdom of God, there is an expectation that what is given to you will multiply. We can hear that and say, well, oh no, I've got to earn it and all this kind of stuff. He's empowering you to do it. He's a parable to explain the kingdom of God. They were the servants. They were given money. They were expected to invest it. And then they were expected to give it back. This is what the kingdom of God is like. So what does that mean for us? It means that we are the servants. Jesus is the master. You have been given a life. You're going to give it back. And in the in-between, the expectation is that we put it to work. That we invest. We invest into the kingdom. That we get a return on our investment. That we have this opportunity with this life, not just to live it and not just to spend it, not to spend our time and spend our life, but invest our time and invest our lives. What an opportunity. What an opportunity God has given us in his grace. He's talking about the kingdom of God in Matthew 25 and in Matthew 28. He's changing the game altogether. This isn't a game of adding to your life, guys. I'm setting you free to multiply your life. And it's nothing new. You go back to the Garden of Eden, what is the first thing God tells to his people? Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. I made you to be fruitful. John 15 says you are appointed to bear fruit for God. Like, it's just on you. We're like, oh, get the fruit out. Like, no branch does that. He said, just plug into the vine and let the fruit flow because I've appointed you to be fruitful. And when you're fruitful, it makes me so happy and I'm so proud of you. It's like, for doing what? <laughs> just being a branch, plugged into the vine, just investing what we were given. It's like, oh, I don't have 10 talents. I've only got my four. You get the same response because the same faithfulness. Anybody want to live in a, a multiplying life? <laughs> so Matthew 28 Jesus is making this point. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go multiply your life. In Matthew 25, he gives us the expectation, the truth that in the kingdom of God, the expectation is to invest. And he's so good because in Matthew 28, he gives us the vehicle of our investment. Discipleship. Make disciples. And then in the rest of Matthew 28, he tells us exactly how to make it work. The system's rigged, I'm telling you. <laughs> it is totally rigged. 
saying, this is what I want, here's what you're going to use to do it, and here's exactly how to use it. Go get them. So he's talking about discipleship. So the question is, what's a disciple? I want to do this. I hope you do too. I, I, I want to do this. What's a disciple? Is that just another word for Christian? Or like, what, what are we talking about here? So we got to do a little bit, of, little bit of, uh, of history here. So when Jesus was in his ministry, crowds followed him by the thousands. There was always people around and people following him. So tons of people followed Jesus, but not everybody was a disciple. The word disciple isn't like a Jesus word that he invented. It was a word that was used in, in Greek culture and Jewish culture. Basically, as long as there have been teachers and leaders, there have been disciples. So if somebody wanted to learn from a teacher, they would become the disciple. But there's a difference between just being a student and a disciple, right? The student would come and say, okay, teach me what you, learn, what you know I want to learn. A disciple was coming to say, I want to be you. Teach me, but like, don't just teach me what you know. Teach me how to, how to do what you do. Teach me how to be who you are. So there was people that followed Jesus, but then there was disciples. And the same holds true today. Disciple isn't necessarily just another word for a Christian. Maybe we could say it this way. There's a difference between a convert and a disciple. I'm here to ruffle feathers this morning. Because not everybody who's calling out to Jesus is necessarily being a disciple. Plenty of people followed him around, but not everybody was actually trying to be a disciple. And same thing is, is for today. But Jesus is saying, if you want to live a multiplied life, don't just come and know what I know. Come and be like me. So in our day, you could say that this way, that many people are converts, but not everyone is a disciple. Matthew 28. So, if not everybody is necessarily a disciple, how do I do it? How do I be this disciple? Well, he says exactly how to do it. Ready to go verse by verse real quick? Verse 18, he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. A disciple is someone who is submitted to the lordship of Jesus. See, for a disciple, Jesus is king. And for a convert and for lots of other people, Jesus is a great idea. It's a great option, good coach. The difference between being the coach and the savior, amen? He's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords for a disciple. And then he says this, he says, go therefore and make disciples. Disciples are focused on giving what they have. Converts are focused on just getting fed. There's a difference. He's saying, go, give. You're good, go give. But it's so easy to live our lives just saying, well, I just I don't know if I'm getting fed. We need to eat, but we need to give. Disciple is looking to lift others up. A convert is... A convert is just looking to be lifted up. The reason a disciple can go and give what they have and, uh, and look to serve isn't because they inherently just have more. It's because they know what they have. Because of verse 18. See, a disciple knows that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And he's adopted me as a child. Wow. That's why it's such a big deal to have Jesus be the Lord of your life. Because when you know who he is, you start to learn who you are. And when you begin to learn who he is, and you learn who you are in relation to him, you start to learn how much you have to give. How much the value part is taken care of. And now you're free. You're free to give. 
Go and make disciples. He says, make disciples of all nations. You're like, well, shoot. I live in America, and I'm an American, not a disciple. No, that's not true at all. These word nations, Jesus is saying, go, just go everywhere. Every people group, every sphere of society, go everywhere. Go everywhere. Means that wherever you are, there you are. So be there. It's easy. Just be where you are. Be exactly where you are. See, here, here, you can say it this way. Disciples are looking for Jesus to work through them everywhere they go. Converts are looking for Jesus to work for them everywhere they are. A disciple is saying, Jesus, I am expecting you to work through me as I go. Somebody who's just kind of the convert mentality is like, well, God, I hope you do something good for me right where I am. We got to go. Expect Jesus to work through you. Last thing I want to say on, on this nations part, he says, he's talking to them, he's saying, you go and make disciples of all nations. And when we start talking about, like, disciples and making disciples and all of this sort of thing, it's something that I think we correlate it to is kind of like another word that maybe is the best context we have for this, which is like mentorship. And I want to say that mentorship is amazing, but it's not the same as making disciples. Because when you're talking about being a mentor, like in my mind, a mentor is like significantly older than me, has tons of experience, really smart, and like all that kind of stuff. And I'm not that. But Jesus is saying, go make disciples because you are disciples. He's saying, you have what it takes. You have what it takes. And we need mentors. We, I'd go be mentored. Go do that whole thing. But we can't disqualify ourselves just because we misunderstand what God's calling us to, Right? He's not saying go give, when he says go make disciples, it's not go teach everybody everything you know because you're so smart and you got your life all together and you know all the answers and you understand everything in the Bible and so that's why you're qualified to go make disciples. No, you're qualified to make disciples just because you know Jesus. He's the one with all authority in heaven and earth anyways. He's the one that this is all about. Are you sticking, are, are, are we doing okay? You, what I'm trying to say is you can do it. You can do it everywhere you are. It's, it's how you are with your kids. It's how you are with your spouse. It's your excellence at work. It's the way that you're kind to your boss that nobody else is nice to because the boss is not nice. But it's, it's making disciples. It's revealing who the kingdom of God is, what the kingdom of God is like. It's, it's being the presence of God in these different places where you're going. He's just saying, go help people know me. Go help people know me. Last thing I want to say is he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I think Jesus is talking about water baptism here 100%. Everybody, if you're not water baptized, let's do it. It's a party, such a big deal. We love baptism. We'll talk about it another time. But this word baptism is, is a word that, that could be translated immersed. And he's saying, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Go into every sphere of society and make disciples. Okay, God, I want to make disciples. What does, it even, what's it, what does this really mean, though? He's okay, this is what it means. Be immersed in who I am. This is a disciple. Just covered, covered in who I am. When you think about going and making disciples, it's like, well, I don't know that much. Can you just ask questions? That's all you got to do. How, how do you feel like you're doing living immersed in the Father? Are you immersed and covered and like, you, are, you, are you like baptized in, in the character of God? Do you really understand who the character of God, like who he is? 
No? Okay, cool. Me neither. Let's read the Bible and talk about it. Right? Are you immersed in the sun? Do you understand what it means that you've been given the righteousness of Jesus? No? Me neither. Okay, let's read the Bible and let's talk about it. Are you immersed in the Holy Spirit? Are you covered in the presence of God? Are you bearing the fruit of the Spirit when you go places? Yeah, me neither. Let's read the Bible. Let's talk about it. Let's live our lives immersed in the Holy Spirit. It says, teach them to observe everything I've commanded you, for I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, a disciple knows that it's not about them. It's all about Jesus. If we can teach people to know Jesus, he's the one that's going to be with them forever. I'm not. When we talk about this immersion word, we can put it this way. Disciples dunk, converts dab. Right? It's like, oh, there's a little bit of God where it fits, right? Disciples like, just get me in that pool. That's not like a theological comment on water baptism. <laughs> Stick with me here. All right, we're going to end because we're getting to the end, and I'm wearing, I, can, I can tell we're, we're good. We're good. So why don't you go ahead and stand up. And uh, we're not going to do another song at the end or anything. We, don't got, we, ain't, we ain't got time for that. I took too much time. But here's what we're going to do. We're still going to respond. So that means you guys can participate in this if you want to. You guys don't have to go up on stage. Come on over. <laughs> I may have offended you a little bit and uh, it's okay Jesus loves you so much and I want to encourage you to take, take this stuff that we're talking about and work it through I believe that uh, we ought to get offended by some things Jesus says but the truth is everything he's calling us to he has empowered us how to do it this isn't about going and earning all this stuff it's just being who we are being who God's called us to be right who needs the worship band? We got the kiddos. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do as we wrap up um, our time here. <laughs> it's going to be just real simple. Last week we kind of did something really similar when we talked about you got to go. We said who wants to be somebody who, who wants to go, live a life of going. And we called you to say, hey, why don't you come up to the front? I want to pray for you. I want to do the same thing this morning. I know there's no music. It's not like super spiritual. And it's like, can God move without the keys going? Yes, he absolutely can. So if you're here this morning and, and you're listening to this and you're like, I don't, you don't have to understand all of it, but you're like, I want to live a life of a disciple. I want to live a multiplied life. If that's you at all, and you might even be saying like, I actually want to even just start following Jesus right now and get this thing off, going off the right foot. But if you want to be just somebody like, I want to live the life of a disciple, I want you to come up to the front right now. I'm just going to, I'm going to pray for you. As we close. Awesome. Come on, come on. We're family. You can get close. You're allowed to like you know, be shoulder to shoulder. Whoa. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Wow. Jesus gave this command to, uh, he had 11 disciples left. And there's like more than 11 of you here. And 2,000 something years odd later in the basement of a theater in Indianapolis, Indiana, some other people read the same words from the same Jesus and said, I want to do the same thing. 2,000 years of multiplying. 2,000 years. <laughs> Did they ever dream that Indianapolis, Indiana would respond like this because they were obedient? I doubt it. I'm trying to put faith in you. What could God do through you? What could God do through your life? So here's what I'm going to do. I just want you to put your hand on the shoulders of the people next to you. We're, I'm going to pray for you. We're all going to pray for each other, and you're going to get prayed for, and it's going to be, like, awesome. 
Because here's the thing. Jesus, he says this, and a little earlier on, before Matthew 28, he says, I'm going to send you out. And the last few weeks, we've been saying, go, go, go. It's time to go. And Jesus is saying, go, it's time to go. But wait. I'm going to send you the promise of the Father. I'm going to send you the Spirit of God. And you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to do everything I've called you to do. He's taken it out of a game that we play in, of addition in our own strength, and it's a game of multiplication by the power of the Spirit of God. And that's what we're going to be going after the next couple of weeks. So those of you up here, I don't want you to miss, because you're going to need the power to do it. You need the power to do it, okay? We have faith for God to put something in you right now? Awesome. All right, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you. I love you, Jesus. And I thank you, God, that you didn't just come to change the way that we play the game, but you changed the game altogether. Lord, I pray right now, God, that this week, Holy Spirit, you would fill every single one of my brothers and sisters up here with, with, the, with conviction in, in all of its grace. Would you convict us of the places where we're trying to live by addition? And would you show us how to step into multiplication? Lord, I pray that you give every single one of these people eyes to see this week, opportunities to invest. Pray they'd see investment opportunities everywhere they go, in every moment, in every person, in every interaction, God. And I pray they'd be able to give with joy because they understand who you are and who they are. Lord, I ask for a hunger of the word, for the word of God to drop inside of every one of our hearts. Lord, this week, would, be, would we be more hungry than we've ever been? Would you speak to us, God? Would we come to your word expectant? for you to speak and guide us and lead us. I pray, God, that, that people would have um, significant encounters with you in their workplace while they're sitting at their desk or significant encounters while they're parenting this week. They just hear your voice. Lord, I pray that you make us confident, that you have called us in and you've made us everything that we need to be. There is nothing, less to, nothing left to add. So would we be people who go? Would we be people who go? So Holy Spirit, I ask for a move of God in this church and in every single one of our lives. Would you move on us, Holy Spirit? We need you. We need you, God. In everything that we don't understand, just help us to follow. Help us to be people who give what we have. And God, I ask over our, over our next few weeks together, I pray that we uh, would experience what it means to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us, to be your witnesses, to go and make disciples of all nations. Lord, I pray that every nation on this planet would be impacted by this moment right here, right now. People all over the earth would learn how to be immersed in the Father, immersed in the Son, immersed in the Holy Spirit. We'd walk with you. Would you send us out in power? In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen, amen. amen.